Hello and welcome to this next episode of the Zach King Fitness, sorry, the unscripted fitness podcast with me, Zach King. Hope everyone's doing alright today, hope everyone's been keeping well. Uh, at the time of this, on the, what is it, the 8th of May 2020, Friday the 8th of May 2020, on the 75th anniversary of VE Day, which I hope everyone's been celebrating well and been enjoying the day, but more importantly, Keeping up to your good habits and improving on your not so good habits. Now, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about something that has been um, quite, I think, a common theme over this uh, at the time coronavirus lockdown, uh, and that is emotional versus border meeting and a how to and a guide how to stop it. Why this um, topic is important is because I've had this conversation with a couple of clients this week. And um, just give them some input on what I think and how my advice would have helped them. And I'm hoping that I can do the same thing for you guys today in how to distinguish the difference between the two. But also more importantly to help you guys uh, understand that sometimes emotional eating is necessary. But also it's um, a balance to make sure that you don't do it often which we'll go into a bit more uh, detail in a little bit. Um, and as I say, you know, archives, with this topic being so important, because we are at home majority of the time, I know during this time of the coronavirus that we are allowed our one hour or one exercise per day, um, essential shopping and stuff, or essential travel, etc. But at the same time, it's very important to realise that because we're in at home, we're working from home and stuff like that, it's very easy to get caught up in, um, you know, our emotions, our sense of boredom and stuff like that. And this is what I want to kind of talk about today in today's podcast. And I hope it brings you some value and it brings you some um, uh, changes to your habits to hopefully for the rest of this lockdown and hopefully in the future give you a bit of an idea on how to improve on all that. On all that. Now, let's understand what emotional versus boredom eating is. Now, rather than, there's two distinct, they're quite similar, but also very different at the same time. And rather than me explain what one it, explain what both is at the same time, I'll kind of leave that to the end. I'll just break it down into different points that is among my notes for today's uh, podcast. Um, and to start with, I think I'll go with the most important one, which is emotional eating, because as human beings, we're very emotional, we're very emotional beings, probably the most emotional beings or mammals or if you want to call it on the planet. Um, and sometimes we use food as a way of comfort and a way to suppress our emotions. It's what I find anyways. And you have to really be mindful about what emotional eating is and understand what emotional eating is and how to combat that and tackle that and that's what I'm going to try and tackle for this first part of this podcast anyways so you can almost like say it's under different sections different parts but I want to spend a bit of time talking about emotional eating and then go through some uh how to word it research and research stuff that I've done a little bit on and talk a bit bit on also. Um, so, as I said earlier, we f- with regards to emotional eating, we find food as comfort um, and part of, part of our practice. And that's how we suppress our negative emotions, uh, sometimes even positive emotions, really, because when we're happy, we go out for big old knees up to celebrate, you know, or go out for dinner to celebrate and stuff. And when we're sad, we do the opposite and stuff. So this is where I will say that with regards to emotional eating, and I will make this clear, um, which I will make this very clear, sometimes for the importance of your mental health, emotional eating is needed and to make you feel better. But at the same time, if you do feel like that you're emotional eating, you knock yourself back and you feel like you let yourself down, don't be so harsh on yourself. 
that's the point I want to make this very clear before I move on, is it's okay to emotional eat as long as you want to within your calories and stuff like that. And more importantly is don't be so harsh on yourself. If you have gone back, had a bad day or if one bad day does not make a bad life, nor one bad um, one setback within your nutritional journey, lifestyle or diet or eight week plan stuff does not set you back for your uh, progress. One bad day does not set back your entire eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 week progress. You can allow yourself that, especially, you know, at this current moment in time where emotions are very high, we are suffering from all the things I'm going to talk about in a second. And it's very, very important to understand that. So that's one to kind of make clear within the start of this emotional eating section of the Unscripted Fitness Podcast. So us humans or people or we as people, we um, emotionally eat, uh, reach for food several times a week to more suppress and soothe negative feelings like I spoke about earlier. Now, they even may feel of guilt or shame after eating this way, leading to a cycle of access in and associated issues like weight gain. And this is why I always will say is, whilst at the beginning, is not to be too harsh on yourself. Now, what, why we emotional, now why do we emotional eat? Now, with why we emotional eat, it's a combination of factors. We've got to talk about things like, let's take this current moment in time of the coronavirus. Every time we turn on the news, there's numerous deaths, you know, being talked about in the news, numerous current, um, how to word it, current, you know, positive tests or something like that on the news being explained every day. Even I try and say to people, try not listen to what you need to on the news and stuff because it makes you feel... Where if it makes if if you hear something that makes you feel worse consistently like the news don't listen to it that's what I always will say to people, and at this time where we can't see our loved ones, you know our jobs we're losing our jobs we're being furloughed, um we're not able to cuddle or hug or see loved ones whenever we were one it's almost feeling like that our sense of freedom has been necessarily taken away. And at this time of the coronavirus, this is why I always will say that emotional eating has been probably one of the main factors of people maybe losing motivation, losing the sense of trying to get back, stay on track. But as I keep saying, if you go off track, it's absolutely fine. You know, now sexy, so maintenance is the new sexy, as I call it, or maintenance is the new strong. If you can maintain your weight at this time, you've done a fucking excellent job. A fucking excellent job. Um, and if you can lose more weight, then you've done an even better job. So focus on the positives at this time rather than focusing on the negatives where you might um, put a bit of weight. You might feel like that. You might put a bit of weight on and stuff. But that's the challenges you've got to set yourself. And again, I'm going to go more into that a little bit later on. Now, as I said about you, why we emotionally eat, now, as I said about the coronavirus examples, but even if you're listening to this after the coronavirus, we're going to talk about anything from work stress, which I can guarantee um, a lot of everyone at this, uh, listen, at any point of life, whether it's at the COVID-19, after post-COVID-19, even before COVID-19, we'd all stress about work. And that then allows us to emotionally eat because we get stressed out because of a certain time or nothing as well. And like I say, if it helps suppress and makes you feel a bit better, then it's absolutely fine. We could go from work stress, we could talk about financial worries, we can talk about health issues to relationship struggles, which could be all causes of your emotional eating. I think especially the latter of, of relationship struggles, because there's always been numerous cases, especially us as human beings, where we love, we want to be loved as human beings, hence why I think most of us seek out to be in a relationship. Even though I try not to promote that, I don't. I think it's evident that people try to seek out to be loved in a relationship. And I think it's important to understand that you should not, you know, let relationship dictate your life. And sometimes when you have a breakup and when we have, um, we've been rejected or stuff like that, we end up eating to suppress our negative feelings of emotion or self-doubt. 
on stuff like that. So I think that's why it's important to identify that also. But it's an issue that act, emotional eating is an issue that affects both sexes really. Now, like some may say, like it's evident that evidence has proven or studies have proven that emotional eating is more common with women than men, which, you know, I think is, um, whether it's an obvious statement or not, it probably, I think it's a pretty obvious statement. This is not being, um, you know, all about the male and stuff like that, you know, but I think it's a pretty obvious statement that when, for example, going back to the relationship thing, you know, you know, there are, as I said about the studies, there are like, studies that say and that also you got to think about when it comes to relationships you know relationships work issues financial worries and stuff like that women this is no dig this is this is with all respect women you're more emotional being you're more of an emotional being than men are even though me as a male i probably have more female tendencies than male tendencies and stuff and and stuff like that but it's very very important to understand and realize that the emotional eating affects both both sexes, even though studies have proven that it affects, it's more com, more common for women than men. But speaking from a male point of view, you know, I think with, you know, previous relationships broken up and, you know, financial worries and stuff like that, as a personal trainer, that tries to measure everything that I do with my food. I literally try and, um, obviously I turn to food for comfort, like we all do. And, the reason why we do is because of that comfort feeling, that sweet little taste, which I'll go through with you in a bit. And, you know, and we tend to turn to the drink, we turn to the food, anything like that to suppress our sense of negativity. But why is it we use food, you know, you know, to suppress our negative emotions? Now, negative emotions may lead to a feeling of emptiness or emotional void like food is believed to be a, a way to fill that void and create a false feeling of fullness or temporary wholeness but the other factors include like retreating from social support during times of emotional need you're not engaging in activities that might otherwise relieve stress sadness and so on not understanding the difference between physical and um Emotional hunger, which I'm going to go through with you in a little bit. Using negative self-talking that's related to binging episodes, uh, which can then create a cycle of emotional eating. So just being harsh on yourself, essentially. You're changing cortisol levels um, in response to stress and leading to cravings. So, again, like I say, being stressed from work, have the obvious statement or the obvious feeling of... or that stop you from, that make you hungry and stuff. But we got to remember as well is that when it comes to emotional eating, it affects both men and women and it's caused by numerous factors, including things like stress, hormonal changes and mixed hunger cues. But we also must remember is that those things, it's understanding and then identifying those emotional cues to your eating to tackle that also, which is what I'm going to go on to this next one about emotional versus true hunger or physical hunger, essentially. Now we know this. Now we know we must eat to live. We need energy in our bodies to live, to do chores, exercise, etc., etc., to keep moving. So you may want to distinguish the difference between your emotional cues and your true hunger cues. Now, according to the studies, there are several differences that might help you clue in what you are experiencing. So, if you want to get a pen and paper, I'll give you a quick pen and chance to get a quick pen and paper. If you want to take down, if not, you can always rewind it. And I want you to draw an imaginary table like I've done here. And I want you to have on the left-hand side something called physical hunger. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write this down so it makes it easy for you to remember. So, one side, I want you to have physical hunger. Then I want the other side being emotional hunger. But let's go through physical hunger to start with. Now, the 
symptoms or the cues, the symptoms, the cues or the clues to physical hunger would be is that it develops over slowly over time. So it's not instantaneously. It's not an instantaneous cue for um, eating and stuff. So you know, you talk about your food. It something you develop over time. So you don't get instantly hungry if you're feeling physically hungry and stuff. You know, that's why I would say about drinking lots of water to curb those hungers. Drinking your, like I do in my um, institute clients, is that I set them a daily habit tracker to tell them to get 10,000 steps, to exercise at least once a day and stuff. If not, do, uh, uh, sorry, exercise at least once a day. Hit the 10,000 steps, I think I said, you know, hit your protein target, manage your calories, not track them, just manage them. So be mindful about your portion size and stuff. Drink two litres of water and so on and so forth. And I ask them to tick to get at least four to five of those boxes ticked because we're not going to work out every single day now, are we? And that is absolutely fine. But I use that as like a more mindful thing, really. So as I say, it's, under, it's important to understand that you uh, have those cute, those understanding of cues to help, I like to say, understand your hunger. Now, I hope you've written them down. So remember, your physical hunger on that same table, it develops slowly over time. So have that as your point number one, because you'll feel if you write it down, you'll make it understand a bit more better. You'll desire a variety of food groups. So you will literally, um, you'll crave for more like fruit, apple, like more fruits, vegetables, you know, um, vegan protein, you know, things that are more nutritious, than um, non-nutritious and stuff. So put that down if you've written it down. You desire a variety of food groups. Underneath that, once you're right, you feel the sensation of fullness as it takes the cue to stop eating. So it's almost like you feel fuller after eating and stuff when you're physically hungry. And again, that is a cue of like you're eating better food, you're eating more nutritious food, you're um, understanding your hunger cues. As I always like to say, you want to eat till you're emotionally satisfied, not emotionally full, if that makes sense. So that is the next one. And the last one on physical hunger would be you have no negative feelings about eating. So you actually are enjoying your food, which is what everybody should be doing, is enjoying their foods and really embracing the foods you want to eat and stuff. So good, whole, nutritious foods with the odd little bad one, which, you know, we can all enjoy, um, or the non-nutritious foods anyways. And I think it's important to um, understand all that. You know, it's about enjoying a whole heap of foods, but not feeling guilty about it, and maintain within your calories, of course. Now, on the table across, I want you to write down, hopefully you've written down already, emotional eat, uh, hunger, emotional hunger on the next table. And now the first part of emotional hunger kind of correlates exactly the same as the opposite of the first one on the physical hunger is that your emotional hunger comes all of a sudden or comes abruptly, meaning that you just get a sudden heap of um, hunger because you're emotional, whether it's through relationship stress, etc, etc, etc. And I think this is always evident, like because as I said at this time, when we are suffering from we're all suffering from anxiety we're suffering from a little bit of depression we don't know what's going on in our lives and stuff and i think it's important to understand that and but also more importantly not be too harsh on yourself so but again i'll keep re-emphasizing that also uh now one after that once you put down is you crave only certain foods and again those foods might be non-nutritious foods so you might fancy a bit more of the sugary foods because it literally helps cue your um it almost sends you feel more happy and stuff. It makes you feel more happy, and that's completely understandable. Like for me, my um, go-to at the moment is squashies, and honestly, they're unbelievable. <laughs> if you don't know what squashies are, they're those little white and pink things. I can actually chew it now as I'm talking. Um, sorry if I'm making you feel hungry, by the way. Um, but it's um, but, but it is um, those little things that it's just understandable. And with like high sugary foods, they're not. Against they're not the cause of your weight gain, it's the emotion towards your weight gain or you know your emotional eating. And you just once you have a bit of sugar food, it's like you're gonna have another one and another one and another one. And it's under, important to understand all of that also. 
Um, you may binge on food. So the next one you want to kind of put down is that you may want to binge on food and not feel sensational fullness. So you kind of want to be constantly eating. And this is why I say about the boredom and emotional hunger comes more into a correlation with each other, which I'll speak more so in a minute. And as I say, you binge more on food, you not feel sensational fullness. And the last part of the emotional hunger table, I'm going to call it, is you feel guilt or shame about eating. And nobody should feel like that. Nobody should feel a sense of guilt or shame when they're eating foods and that. Like, we should be enjoying our foods. We should be enjoying a whole range of foods and enjoying a whole selection of foods. Whether it's nutritious or non-nutritious, entirely up to you. And it's it's imperative to really understand the difference of how you're enjoying your foods and not enjoying your foods. And what I like as well is um, I'm going to go by someone who's a fa- who did a fantastic example of this about understanding your enjoyment of foods. And it's a, um, a little table by a brilliant, brilliant PT on social media named um, Soho Lee. And honestly, she is a different gravy in there. And what she done on her social media page um, a while ago is that she done a, a food reflection diary. So take this down if you want to observe. Using your pen and paper, take this down. A food reflection diary. And what she'd done with all of her clients is said, ask five questions. Five questions. How did you feel before eating? So that was question number one. Question two. On a scale of one to ten, how hungry are you? That was number two, question two. Number three. What did you eat? Number four. How did you feel after? And number five. How did this how did this align with your goals? So big and again, if you want to kind of go back and look at Soho Lee's at Soho Lee's um, Instagram, it's Soho Fit. So S O H E E Fit and that on Instagram. Brilliant. I've only met her once, um, but from that one picture, brief picture with her, she was an absolute diamond, um, and it was obviously nice to meet her. And hopefully, with IFS going along, International Fitness Summit going ahead this year. I'll get the chance to uh, meet her again and talk to her again. Well, in more detail anyways about her knowledge in that, pick her brains and stuff. But this is what I found quite fascinating as well. It's about it's a very simple self-care exercise that is great to maintain a daily food reflection diary. So what I found with that, what I think you can find with that is it's a great way of understanding your emotions when you're eating, using that and I think that's a real great example. So hopefully you're taking that down. If not, um, drop me a message on my Instagram. Um, I can send you the link over or I can create you one um, using that template. Um, Not exactly that template, but I can ask you a few more different questions on that because I think it's important to understand your own um, emotional eating habits. But But in summary about it, you know, you want to talk about physical... And emotional hunger can be easily confused. But there are key differences between the two. So pay attention about how and when your hunger starts as well as how you are feeling afterwards. Now, how to stop emotional eating. Um, so while you're while filling up may work um, while filling up may work in the moment. Eating because of negative emotions often leaves yourself feeling more upset than before. Now, this cycle typically doesn't end until a person, me or you, addresses your emotional needs head on. So it's important that you attack those negative emotions head on to understand your emotional eating. So things like, I'll give you a couple of examples here, things like, Finding ways, other ways to cope with stress. So, like discovering another way to deal with negative emotions is often the first step towards overcoming your emotional eating. Now, this could mean writing a journal, reading a book, finding a few minutes to relax or decompress the day, or simply exercising. Because sometimes exercising is the best way to suppress your negative emotions, I find sometimes anyways. Especially, you know, especially when you want to try and get out. But... Sometimes you might not have time to exercise. So those former things like writing a journal, reading a book, and find a few minutes to relax, like some meditation, some yoga. Admittedly, it does take time to shift your mindset, 
from food from reaching for food to engaging in other forms of stress relief. So experiment, the best thing to do is experiment a variety of different ways you can to help you out with that. I know my best example when I've, because I used to be, even though my brother may disagree, but I'm a lot more positive than I was, God mighty, three years ago, two years, yeah, probably that two years ago actually, a lot more positive now than I was two years ago. And all I'd done was just shifted my mindset in the sense that all I'd done was just said to myself, well, things can't get any worse. <laughs> That's the, that's the way I say things in life now, is that things can't get any worse. And I'm not saying, you know, it's not that old Dr. Pepper advert, isn't it? You know, oh, things can't get any worse. Uh, but it's under, but I think sometimes just to take things like, like a happy-go-lucky happy go life. I know some people may say to me, oh, it's all right with you, you haven't got kids and stuff like that. And I understand that. I completely understand that. But what you've got to understand is that there are... There are a lot of beauties in life you've got to take a hold of and appreciate. And appreciating um, the things we have, like our health, our family and stuff, it means more than any diet, job, car, anything like that. And if your life is very fixed and materialistic, head-on like that, then, uh, as I say, that's just it's just my opinion, but something's clearly wrong, so... As I always say, you need to head head on those uh, other ways to cope with the stress. Cope with your stress. Like I said earlier, like moving your body is very very important to tackling your emotional eating. Um, it doesn't have to be the intense exercise we're doing at the moment, like during this COVID nineteen lockdown. It doesn't have to be jumping around doing freaking burpees or mountain climbers or squat jumps and stuff like that and injuring your joints. It can just be a simple walk or a jog around the block. Or a quickie, <laughs> sorry, I'm professional, I'm professional Zach. A quickie yoga routine may help in particularly emotional moments. Like, from what, from like one study, participants were asked to engage in uh, eight weeks of yoga. They were then assessed on their mindfulness, and their insight, understanding, basically their understanding of themselves and the situation surrounding them. Now, the results showed that the regular, my words out, the, the results showed that regular yoga may be useful for preventative measure to help defuse emotional states such as anxiety and depression. I think which is why you're seeing a lot more, a lot of people take hold of yoga now because from the couple of yoga classes I've done during this lockdown, it has been quite a way of like relaxing my mind and switching off a little bit and even trying out some meditation and stuff. And it has really helped out, you know, cut out any potential anxiety or depression I might have. Now, I'm not saying I'm the most happiest person in the world, but it has done me a bit of a favour not to worry about the things that are going on in the big bad world. So that's what I'd say for you as well, is that with the studies, with different studies, you know, the support, using meditation, using yoga, it can be used as a form of treatment towards binge eating disorder and emotional eating. Like even simple breathing exercises can be done almost everywhere. Like sit in a quiet place, focus on your breath, slowly flowing in and out of your nostrils. Like you can go onto YouTube. Um, I think Jason Stephen, there's a guy named, for example, on YouTube uh, for free guided meditations. One by Jason uh, Stevens, or it's about a step ends. Uh, guided meditation for anxiety and stress had over at this moment for over, over four million views and goes through a series of visualization and breathing exercises for more than 30 minutes and there's probably loads more on youtube and stuff like that as well like i'm sure there's loads of exercise stuff exercises you can do or free videos you get on youtube and stuff also so it's important to understand all those bits of bobs also so if there's a ping going off that's my mum telling me dinner's ready <laughs> 29 years on my mum's making me dinner how sad's that no, there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that my mum loves me making me dinner so it's not too bad and i make her dinner from time to time, so or try to. Anyways, then again, I did me and Luke did build her a great big perg, pergola, pergola, basically a hot tub of the bar, essentially with a great big cocktails and dream sign. So, I think she can be appreciative. I think her making me dinner is a nice little two way thing to balance that out. More importantly, um, in but yeah, going back to the breathing thing. So as I say, going on YouTube, trying out free guided meditations. It's a great way of helping that out also. 
Another thing you can do is also start a food diary. You know, whether logging your food via a notebook, turn the technology like Fitness Pal, or there's a good little app called uh, Calorie Calculator. If you go onto your app store, app store and type in Calorie Counter, it's a great big green uh, sage background with a white apple with neutral check on it. And it's very, 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 very good. Um, probably one of the best fitness trackers I've said to try. I've got my lot of my clients doing it. And um, honestly, it is a game changer. Some of them are using Fitness Pal still because it's free and stuff. Because the calorie counter you do have to pay a subscription for. But I stand by and saying it's the best calorie counter out there. Or paid calorie counter app out there. But another method I've said for people to do in the past is actually take pictures. You know, and take pictures and stuff like that to... Um, look at the portion sizes look at how what foods they're eating and it goes back to what I said earlier about the Soho Lee um, thing also it's about trying to understand um, you know what's, how you're feeling about eating the food you're eating are you happy, are you sad and things like that and just make, taking an understanding towards that like now because with calorie counting, like I think calorie counting does work and stuff, but it's very impossible to track everything you eat. Of course it is. I mean, you know, not ev- not everyone tracks everything. Ever- it would be merely impossible. Calorie counting, I always say, is a, is a about a three-month thing to, for you to visualise what portion sizes look like. I mean, lucky enough, I've learned how, what portion size looks like to say that that's too big of a portion. You don't need to eat that much. And I... That's why I get my clients to tell and take photos from me so I can say, right, get your plate and then just cut that out by a little bit. Especially if they don't not really a fan of calorie counting. Like and also with all the foods they eat, I always tell them to ask them how they're feeling and stuff, or with the foods they're eating, going back to what I said, recording your emotions and stuff. But if you seek professional help, I would Preferably, say, see a dietitian or nutritionist. Um, there's some great nutritionists I know. One of them being Polly Hartley, the Surrey nutritionist. Like, if you want to go onto Instagram and type in the Surrey nutritionist. So, if you are feeling senses of um, emotional eating, I don't know if she can help and stuff like that. But I know she's an excellent, excellent at what she does at her job. So, if you do want to talk to her about the emotional side of things of it, whether she can help you or not... Um, I think she'll be one of the best people to go to, but there are, I'm sure, other people out there who can do a great job also. It's just about doing your market research, isn't it? Um, Another another few things before I move on to, because I've waffled on for half an hour about emotional eating. Simple common things, you know, eating a um, healthy diet, you know, getting getting your fibre up, getting your... Uh, nutrients up, you know, getting your high fiber, high protein diet, getting your nutrients up and things like that. That's, I think, another common one to really focus on. Um, you know, and one, take, pay attention to your volume of food. So like, like I always will say, resist the grabbing a whole bag of chips and other food alternatives. So like I say, Focus on the quality of food, food volume, you know, like nuts have a greater volume because it's more cal- it's got a bit more calories in it, but obviously it's a smaller portion. And another one I'd like to say is that consider trashing or donating foods in your cupboards that you're often reaching for for moments of strive. So probably not consider trashing because I don't believe in food wastage, but you know, I would say um Things like donating donating foods to food banks, especially at this time when uh, during the COVID-19 where people are struggling to eat. Donate the foods that are going to stop you from emotional eating and donate to food banks. Help out those who need it most and stuff. Um, you know, and those people who... I know contradicts what I'm sort of saying and stuff, but... More important, but again, if there's people that are starving and stuff, they may want those food, they may need those foods and stuff. And I've always said, if you can donate some food to people who need it most, then donate it. It's very, very important at this moment in time, especially those who are who can't afford to eat and stuff like that. But 
Now, another little tip I would say also is if you are feeling upset or overwhelmed or having a high sense of anxiety, is maybe just postpone your trips to the grocery store for when you are feeling any of those symptoms or stressed and stuff because you're more likely to go for the um, non-nutritious foods when you are going out shopping. As I've always said to my clients also, never go food shopping for when you're hungry because you're more likely to grab the little bits as a quick bite to eat and stuff. So, as I say, that's one little thing I would say to you is just... Avoid trips to the grocery store if you're feeling upset. Um, other, th- you know, other things I would say. I mean, there's loads more things I could say. I mean, but one of the most important ones I think I'm gonna leave till last is work on positive self-talk. Now, feelings of shame and guilt are associated with emotional eating. We've covered it now, but it's important to work on the self-talk you experience after an episode, or it may lead to a cycle of emotional eating behaviour. So it may continuously lead to that. So instead of coming down on hard on yourself, try learning from your setback. Use it as an opportunity to plan for the future. And be, be sure to reward your efforts and yourself uh, with self-care measures, like, take, like taking a bath, going for a leisurely walk, and so on. So when you do make strides. So always be positive to yourself, not negative, especially, like I said earlier, if you had a setback. Now, going on into border meeting and stuff, because this is, this is a different sort of way... Now, with um, boredom eating and stuff, I think, as I said, this is quite similar but different in a way. But let's say, for example, let's put a scenario together. So you'll sat down and sit down, watch another episode of a Netflix series, whichever it might be, Tiger King, stuff like that. And or you might scroll through mindlessly through social media, Instagram and stuff. You may decide you want to go to the kitchen and uh, search for a snack to devour on. Now, while food in, is all that is good in this world, eating when not hungry is not truly fulfilling. Like, wondering where your apparent boredom comes from takes you to the uh, kitchen. So, like, you just mindlessly walk into the kitchen, open up those snack cupboards and things like that before you um, realise that you... Well, it's too late then, isn't it? So... And you dig into the cupboards and you have that biscuit or so. Now, this is what I always say about snack, you know, but like what is, like what I always will say is what is essentially border meat and why is it we border meat? Like in this time when we're working from home, we are um, essentially, you know, as I say, working from home. We set down a laptop, we're waiting for an email or waiting for a conference call, but then we just, our mind wanders off and then we just get bored. And then, you know, and I think that's why sometimes it can, if you have a combination of emotional and boredom eating together, then it's got a recipe for disaster there. But I think why we board, we eat when we board is because it just occupies our mind. And that's why I think it's important to understand where your boredom eating comes from, where your boredom eating comes from. That's why we'll say is always carry a bottle of water with you. So then when you are bored, you just literally have a sip on it. So then when you do sip on it, you've got it there and stuff like that. And like I say, it's very, very imperative to understand that. And again, think, and this is why I think the whole snacking gets a bit of a, a bad rap and stuff. Now, I'm a bigger fan of having three big meals as opposed to three big meals for your calories, especially if you're maintaining your calorie deficit, than having like, Meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, and having smaller meals because I think with three big meals it keeps you sustained for longer and also especially if you're having high fibre, good protein foods, it's keeping you uh, fulfilled longer and stuff. But as I said, yeah, I mean, it occurs mainly because our mind just wanders off. So that's how we've got to think of it: is, is that our mind wanders off and we end up ended up. Um, reaching for the cupboards when we don't need to and stuff. But why is it we can't stop snacking? So why is it we can't stop snacking? Now, it's important to note that eating is learned is a learned behaviour. People are conditioned to eat a certain, at certain moments in time. Like, for example, you know that we routine we have where we, it's, say, five or six o'clock in the evening, we chow down on after a long day at work, um, 
and it may be well ingrained to your mind that you're supposed to eat at the time that you normally eat. Like, for example, I mean, another good example would be a, par a parent takes their child out for an ice cream when they're upset about something. And, but yet, while, you know, and I think when the child sort of gets upset, you know, even though ice cream is a great way of... Um, how to, I think ice, what ice cream does for the child actually is that it alleviates that emotional pain resulting to the food for when they're in distress. Again, that emotional eating. So it does not affect in all forms of um, adults. It affects in all forms of children. But eating food affects an individual's levels of dopamine. Now, if you don't know what dopamine is, it's a neurotransmitter in the brain that plays a major role in reward, in reward motivate behaviour. Or to put it in layman's terms, Dopamine is the brain's desire chemical associated with feeling when you get achieving a goal. And let's be honest, don't we all want to feel accomplished in our lives, right? It has been found that specific food groups contribute to an increase of dopamine levels. These foods are generally categorised as junk food. Now, I don't like you do like to use the word junk food. I think that's a very, very bad way of looking at it. Now, I like to use the term non-nutritious food, all right? That's why we should always look at food. Is nutritious, non-nutritious, not good and that lot or junk. It's nutritious or non-nutritious, all right? But what happens when we eat these foods is that it causes the body to release endorphins, a.k.a. the feel-good hormone. But if you have to swim when you were bored, you aren't reaching for the plate of Brussels sprouts. But again, you know, those things like eating Brussels sprouts do not make us feel good, don't it? But yeah, when we're having a chocolate biscuits or... Um, how to word it, Oreos and stuff like that. That makes us feel good, doesn't it? Or makes us uh, eventually, you know, releases those those initial endorphins. So when you were thinking, of, so in addition to being tied to emotions like sadness and anger, emotional eating is again, like I always like sort of said, correlate to boredom as well. Like this is because eating when bored serves as a coping mechanism. Snacking breaks up the monetary monotony um, of our boredom, raising levels of dopamine. But in other words, it will, we will continuously snack because it makes us temporarily excited again and again and again. Like we're continuously rewarding stuff. But unlike physical hunger that surfaces gradually and can be satisfied by just eating anything edible, emotional hunger comes on suddenly and creates a craving specific foods, like we said earlier. And like. For example, do you notice that after not eating for several hours, almost anything sounds appetising? But when you're bored, you can't stop thinking about chocolate chip cookies chilling in a jar. Or that food porn-esque slice of pizza that comes across Instagram and stuff like that. So that is what you call emotional eating. But in terms of boredom eating, so identifying boredom eating... Um, what boredom eating is, and combating it, we've got to identify a couple of things. You've got, to, you've got to identify your cues. You've got to plan your meals. You've got to make sure you eat enough protein and drink more water. And another one is brush your teeth, which I'll go through in these little bits also. So, another one, and another one, which I'll fire at the end for you also. But let's talk about identifying your cues. It is crucial to take note of the situations when you eat out of boredom. This will allow you to be more aware when you're unnecessarily eating and help you find your healthy alternatives to snacking. Feeling ravenous during a four-hour Netflix binge late afternoon? Pause your TV show and go for a walk. Then, make it a habit to get exercising during this time of, day, time of the day more frequently to replace the time you would normally be snacking out of boredom. But you're feeling antsy too much on something after dinner as you look through Instagram for the third time in ten minutes? So set your phone aside, organise a, organise a room, clean your desk drawer, colour code your closet, alphabetise your pantry doors. Oh wait, then we're back in the kitchen. Never mind. <laughs> now, nah, honestly guys, but what I say to you is, when it comes to um, after dinner, you feel like quite snacky, go for a walk, try and, because we always have that, don't we, that after board, we get, after dinner we get a little bit bored, so it's important to use that cue after dinner is to go for a walk, especially if it's a nice day. And if it's not a nice day and it's a rainy day, 
find something else like reading a book to preoccupy your mind. Planning your meals could be a good way of um, planning your day ahead and stuff like that. So by eating set, you know, by eating your set meals and sit, eating, you know, what you got in the what you got in the um, kitchen in that and prepping your food sometimes does make you sort of does make you actually plan your meals better and get you to eat your meals more frequently. And once we do that, we are then able to sustain a better fulfillment with our food. Like we should, for example, um, when you plan your meals, like you should just always be mindful what you plan on eating and stuff. It doesn't have to be food prepped, but if we can plan what we're thinking, plan on what we're eating, we can go from there also and just be mindful about what's in the cupboard. I think another one would be a common one, an obvious one, is make sure you eat enough protein. So even though while eating chips or crisps and stuff like that may satisfy momentarily, you might likely to be hungry again in an hour. That's because, you know, you think about the foods that we eat, like those foods aren't as satiety feeling as something that is high in protein based. So that's why I think it's very important to understand where how much protein we get into our body like i said earlier if we get enough protein to our body our satiety levels fill up for longer now also another common like i said earlier to counteract boredom is drink more water countless people tend to confuse thirst for hunger like symptoms of hydration resemble signs of hunger and the same part of the brain interprets both hunger and thirst signals like talk about getting mixed signals shout out to Hippothamalabalus and stuff like that. I can't pronounce the name and stuff from the notes have been taken. But before you pick up, pick through your next snack drawer, try drinking a glass of water and wait 15 minutes. If the feeling of supposed hunger subsides, then you're just thirsty. If not, you're prob- you are probably hungry. Permission to snack? Okay, fair enough. But within your calories, of course, also. So I say, hence why water is a great hunger suppressant as I constantly drink my water. Another one would be brush your teeth. Now, this is a one surefire way to stop yourself from eating when you're bored. Like for me, like my example would be, brushing my teeth triggers a sense of, oh, I'm going to bed soon, or I'm leaving the house in a few minutes, and stuff. Like, and I think when, obviously then, it improves your dental hygiene. And by constantly brushing your teeth, it's like, stopping yourself from doing anything else i'm not saying like you have to go over to every time you feel hungry you have to brush your teeth and that i'm not saying that i'm not saying that but what i will say is that for those who can relate and stuff you know for when you're feeling hungry and for when you're feeling hungry it does i feel, i mean for me personally i feel less compelled to eat another snack if i've done Something that's continuation of my eating, and then also, but also eating other foods after brushing your teeth doesn't taste as good, doesn't it? Um, like, I mean, I once tried um, drinking orange juice after drinking orange juice after brushing my teeth. It was fucking rank and stuff like that. But and that's what I might say to you as well: is if you're bored, brush your teeth and stuff like that. And that, so, um, and especially if you're at home, no harm in brushing your te- teeth three times a day in that, isn't it? So, your, your dentist will love you for it, so might as well do it. Another one I'm going to add in also is in regards to your chewing. Now, your chewing of food has a massive, massive importance to how you're um, counteracting your boredom cues. Like, I always will, like, for example, I'm going to give you a scenario. Have you ever literally um, gone out dinner, when you've gone out dinner for a date or out for dinner with your husband, girlfriend, um, wife, etc, etc, anything like that, um, have you ever um, eaten your food really, really fast, like you've got on your plate and you scoff through? Sometimes you actually take a little bit more longer to eat your food and that's why I always will say, or when you, here's a little tip for you girls and guys, is that or when you go on your next date, judge... Don't judge them because it's wrong to do that. But see how much they, how quickly they eat their food. If they're scoffing away very, very quickly, then it means sometimes they could be bored or they're just not into a habit of eating their foods very quickly. Like for me, pers- like and for me also personally, like 
eating between 10 to 30 chews a pop to help digest the food and let it sit down to my stomach helps me have that sense of fulfillment a bit more when I'm from when I'm eating but also starting from my vegetables or my salad start first off then working my way through to my protein last actually I find helps out a lot more no research has suggested that's true but that's just something I've been testing on myself and it seems to have been doing all right for me to maintaining my weight and help me lose a little bit of weight also so always remember that that chewing slowly does actually help with your um, weight loss as well. Well, it's not scientifically proven, but it's from own books I've read that have said that, and um, it kind of all different correlates, especially when I've tried it myself. But try it yourself, 10 to 30 chews a time and stuff like that. And that actually brings the end of my waffle for 15 minutes on emotional eating and board versus boredom eating on a guide to how to stop it. Now, I hope... This has been a very useful podcast for everyone listening to. Um, I'm sure, I'm, I'm not entirely, again, as I always will say, this is just stuff that I've done a little bit of research on. This is just stuff I've done a little bit of reading on and stuff, and just stuff from my own experiences, stuff I've worked with clients and stuff. And what I've tried to do is anything that I've taken from clients when talking to them, anything like that, I've tried to talk to you guys about and make sure that you guys have got the best uh, possible advice. But if you fit, but again, what I would suggest is that for any of these things like emotional eating, boredom eating, I would honestly suggest maybe speak to a full-on nutritionist um, or dietitian because they will have more a degree or PhD or um, a degree, anything like that, to help you more with that emotional eating also. Because I'm still trying to learn a little bit about that also. And to also put into context of real life. Like it's important to understand that in real life also. But as I say, I hope you guys found this very, very useful, very, very good podcast. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this if you have been listening to it. Um, I'll try and be more consistent again with these podcasts also. What I would say also is that if you want to look at some pages um, that talks about emotional eating and stuff also, um, I might do a separate Instagram post or a separate part two to this one after some more research and stuff but um what i would suggest to go on is that if you go on instagram look at soho lee look at the surrey nutritionist and also look at um martin mcdonald they're great guys that great guys and girls that um have talked about calories um calories in calories in versus calories out but also emotional eating in terms of relative of real life and yeah go from there out of it also but anyways guys Thanks for the time for you listening. It's much, much appreciated. If you like this podcast, please share it to your friends. Please share it to everyone that you feel might have really good use out of it or very good benefits out of. Benefits out of. Um, if you wish to find me on anywhere on my social media feeds, um, I'm on Instagram. Oh, I can't remember what my Instagram is. <laughs> so my Instagram is uh, Zach under slash King under slash fitness on Instagram. You'll find me on uh, Facebook at Zach King Fitness and Personal Training. But also, if you want to contact me about any of the services I offer, whether it's my classes or my personal training, I'm happy enough to help out with that also. Apart from that, guys, I'll hopefully speak to you soon. As always, we'll say, stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors, protect the NHS, but also keep active and keep smiling. All the best. Take care. See you soon.